Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz, joined by my co-host, Mike Schmitz. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I am excited to join you for another episode. But first, I want to talk a little bit about what we have gone over. Um, The whole point of this podcast is to teach what you know. We want to share lessons that we've learned along the way in hopes that you are inspired to improve your family life. We want to be transparent and share our failures along with what has worked well for us. But we don't have it all figured out, (laughs) right? (laughs) We do not. (laughs) We make mistakes all the time. Yes, but we do want to build our family intentionally. And so we're hoping that others will hear these messages and want to join us in that journey of building their life, intentionally building their family and their children and their marriage in a way that is purposeful, meaningful, and has a vision in mind. So our last episode was episode six, and we shared our format for our family meetings as a way to check in how we're doing and in ways that we want to improve. But today, I'm excited to share a topic that I had the pleasure of delivering a Toastmasters speech on last Tuesday, and it was very well received. So I thought this would be really fun to talk about today. All right, let's do it. Okay. The topic was, what do you want to do when you grow up? (laughs) The all too common question that we have been asked, I'm sure when we were little, but then also that we tend to maybe ask our children or other children. So I want you to think back on your earliest memory as a child. How did you answer that question? Do you have any memories, Mike, or is it a little too fuzzy? When you put this in the notes, I was trying to think back, like, what did I want to be when I was a little kid? And I can't remember that far back anything super specific. Like a lot of kids will want to be a basketball player or be a police officer or something like that. And I don't recall ever having something, a vision like that, that I attached to. That being said, I've been around computers since I was a that's real true. kid. Yeah, so that's true. Maybe I was already like banging on the Apple IIe when I was five years <laughs> old. So I was kind of living it out at the moment and it just kind of naturally <laughs> evolved into what I do. Don't you have now. a story from when you were three or four and your dad had you demo something at a conference and they were like amazed? Yeah. So my dad started a software company that sold Uh, educational software, primarily for special education because he has a background working with people and he was kind of upset at the way that they were treated. He told me one story where he was working with someone who had an interest to do something and he was trying to encourage him to develop the skills he needed to do this thing. And the person's parents got really mad at him and they said, this person is going to just go work on their uncle's farm. So quit putting these things in his head. He thought that was very wrong. I've probably would too. (laughs) Uh, And so he left that job and and started this software company. And that was kind of his, his goal was he was going to, he was going to help people uh, fulfill their potential and do what, do what they maybe didn't think that they, they could do. And so I remember growing up, we lived in a farmhouse and there were computers all around us. There was a copy machine in the the kitchen. (laughs) There were (laughs) Apple IIe's in the living room. (laughs) You might be a family business when. (laughs) Yeah. But I do remember uh, hearing the story over and over again as I was growing up of how I went with him on a uh, a sales trip when I was like two or three years old. And at the time, he was doing a presentation to a bunch of special educators. Computers were new. And they didn't think that 
people in special in the special education program would be able to figure out the computers. And so he would bring me and put me in the corner with the computers and then I would set everything up and just start playing with stuff and he'd do his thing, you know, and one by one people are looking over like, what's this little kid doing in the corner? And kind of the point was, well, if my two-year-old son can figure this out, then you'll be surprised at what your kids will be able to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought, I just remembered that story just now. I thought that'd be funny because it is interesting. You do work in technology heavily now and your dad's always been a big writer for a lot of his programs too and you do all those things so you may not have had something specific like I want to be this but you were surrounded by those very things that you now find yourself doing so that's pretty interesting I did want to be a chiropractor at one point yeah and I'm not you know I've thought back about about that frequently and like what inspired me to do that I really don't know what it was (laughs) I do remember uh, going into college, having taken the ACT, and I did very well on my ACT. My highest area was science, so I guess maybe I thought I'm gifted in this area and I just haven't really discovered it yet. Got to college, though, found out quickly that uh, in the biology program that uh, I, I couldn't hack it. <laughs> <laughs> I put in a year's worth of, of work and then switched to to business. And I remember specifically during that year, I had a biology professor who was really rooting for me. He and I got to be pretty good friends. He became my advisor even after I switched from a biology major <laughs> just because I liked I liked talking to him. But there was one point in particular on the Thanksgiving weekend, most of the most of the, uh, the college students left to go home. I stayed and I basically lived in the lab for the entire weekend. And he would come in and he'd see me there and he'd be like, oh, you're going to do awesome. You're going to ace this test, you know. I flunked the exam. <laughs> Just not, not my thing. <laughs> That's all right. At least you figured it out a year and then not longer than that, right? Yeah, it wasn't due to lack of effort. <laughs> it's okay. So uh, one of my earliest memories, which is pretty funny, I remember about first grade, I wanted to be a veterinarian until we took a field trip to a vet's office when I saw animal parts in jars, I was I was so disgusted. I quickly changed my mind then and there. It was quite jarring. Hot. <laughs> Another funny one. I remember, I cannot explain this at all. And it's a tongue twister. A Spanish-speaking meteorologist. I don't know why. I don't do that now. Any nope. of that. You <laughs> are... Okay. Uh, you are- Cranking on that Duolingo stuff. I am. Though. Tomorrow will be day 100 that I've been practicing Spanish every day. So that's pretty fun. So there's still a chance. There's still a chance. <laughs> I don't know about the meteorologist thing, but that's okay. I could pretend. Just get on dark sky. No skin. <laughs> um, but the prevailing memory I have is wanting to be a mom. So with that, upon high school graduation, I didn't have big career ambitions. Like, I want to have this. I'm, on, I'm this career woman, and I'm going to climb the ladder. I didn't care about any of that, but I knew I wanted to go to college because I always loved school. I love learning even to this day. And so I also love people and helping them. So I thought, oh, psychology would be a good fit because I could do counseling. I I was interested in the topic. I enjoyed studying it, but about two and a half years in, I realized, wait a second, I don't want to keep going and get my master's and all this stuff so I can be a counselor because that's more full-time career type stuff and if I want to be a mom at the bedrock of who I am then this might be a waste of a lot of time and energy and effort and money so I switched to fine arts 
and I was already a fine arts minor, so I was still able to complete my Bachelor of Fine Arts in four years. And so that was really great. So I was able to, able to pivot and switch focus. And about a month after graduation, Mike and I were married. So we just celebrated our 15-year anniversary. Woohoo! <laughs> Pretty exciting. And then also I started my own photography business after we got married called The Art of Kairos, which means the writer opportune moment. And so that's very fitting because I did wedding photography. So I did use my fine arts degree. And I recently, in previous years, uh, just since 2017, switched to corporate work. Can I jump in here real quick? I want to go back to something that you said just to clarify. Uh, you mentioned that you really wanted to be a mom and so the psychology degree wasn't necessarily in alignment with that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that if you want to be a parent, that investing in a career isn't worth it. But we both believe that when our kids, when it's time for our kids to go to college, that maybe we won't advise them to just take the default path that we took, take on all the student loan debt, and in the process, figure out what it is that, they're, <laughs> that they want to do because you kind of put yourself behind the eight ball then. You've got a whole bunch of money that you've got to pay back. We were something like $80,000 in debt from our, our student loans when we got married. And there's just there's less and less reason to, uh, to take that on, in, in our opinion. But if you... Uh, if you do decide that you want to invest in a in a career and later decide you're going to lay that aside and become a parent, that's not necessarily a, those those two things aren't exclusive. It's not necessarily a waste of of time or money. Right, and that's a big part of what we're talking about today is all these things that we do and spend time learning and growing and tra uh, uh, get training in. It's not for nothing. It all builds on itself. It all builds on each other. And having that mindset of continually growing, that is what we're getting to today. Yep, the growth mindset, that's the most important thing. We'll probably do many, 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 many episodes that reference yes. the growth mindset. But that's the big thing that we want to instill in our kids is not to put in the effort for a set amount of years and to get the degree in there. Now I can go focus on something else that's very goal-oriented. I have my own issues with the whole idea of goals because it's a finish line that keeps moving. But really, we want to teach them to be lifelong learners. And that might happen at college. It might happen in just books that they're reading. It might be, you know, as we're recording this, Apple just had their Worldwide Developer Conference. Toby specifically gets really excited about that kind of stuff. Like <laughs> he's, they've been teaching them, their older kids have been teaching themselves to code for the last several years. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to get a computer science degree in order for that to be valuable. I have no doubt that they're going to have some idea and they're going to develop an app at some point. <laughs> right. Just because that's what they like. That's what they're passionate about. So it's kind of a natural alignment of things. And it would be wrong for us to say, oh, you just got to get into this program because this is where you're going to learn. No, you can learn from every experience. Yeah. And cultivating that atmosphere and that mindset is one of our biggest goals as parents in our family is, you know, as parents, we're constantly growing and challenging ourselves and challenging one another. And that atmosphere is what we are trying to cultivate. And so all this kind of history that we're sharing today, 
it's basically just to give you an idea of everyone's path is so different and it's like a winding path and you just you can't necessarily see several years ahead but you if you know where you kind of want to go you know you can start making steps in that direction so for us in 2007 we had our first son Toby and every two years we had another son (laughs) and then our youngest is our daughter Adelaide and she was born like almost four years after our youngest son so five children and so that really took most of my time then being a stay-at-home mom which I love most of the time (laughs) some days are much harder than others (laughs) but overall I have grown so much and I've learned so much about myself through um, mothering my children and so my photography career I guess you could call it didn't fall by the wayside. It just ebbed and flowed each year. And so when you think about that question, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's interesting to think about. It's interesting to reflect on some of your thoughts or answers to that when you were younger. So if I were, you know, hindsight is 2020. So if I were to answer that now, I'd be like, I want to be the best wife and mother I can be. And then it's grown to be more than that. I want to help others find their authentic message and purpose in life and design their life to live intentionally to achieve that very thing. And so about two years ago, we had the idea to create this thing (laughs) called the Intentional Family, and here we are. But our original idea was we thought it would make a very good book because, you know, we've read several books on families trying to help them. We thought this would be a really good topic to share. But... I process more by talking, so that'd be harder for me to just go out and write a book. The podcast is a really good format for us to synthesize a lot of ideas and create these outlines and things like that. And so it may have taken a lockdown pandemic time for us (laughs) to actually release and be on episode seven already. But hey, you know what? We're, We're here. And the idea came to be something. And that's that's pretty exciting. And you never would have gotten here if you had been so firmly attached to some of those earlier ideas right. that you had. That's the big takeaway I think we want people to get from this episode is that the question, what do you want to be when you grow up, is still relevant today, whether you are <laughs> <Right>. whether <laughs> you are 16 or 56, you, you all you really know is how you want to change. You can set a direction for how you want to change. You have no idea at any point in your life what the finish line is going to look like. And so to attach to something and then try to design your entire life to get there is a mistake. You will miss out on a lot of very fulfilling and very joy-filled endeavors if you take that approach. My life is kind of an example of that because I never wanted to be the person on the stage. I always wanted to be in the background. I would rather yeah, be running <laughs> running the lights, running the sound. No one sees me, but the event <laughs> goes off without a hitch, you know. And as I have focused on personal growth over the last several years, that's what initially led me to Toastmasters. Once I got there, I realized that I could get a lot better at doing the webinars that I had to do occasionally by developing my speaking skills. That translated very obviously into podcasting. And then from there, it's gone into even public speaking and like videos that I've recorded for like faith-based yeah, productivity and stuff like that. Yeah, like that. Which if you would have told me five, 10 years ago, like, hey, you're going to be 
person who's going to be speaking in front of a camera and speaking in front of people and you're going to do it for a living, I'd be like, um, no, thanks. <laughs> I don't you know, even want to. Yeah. Right? That, that saying <laughs> that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of death. Like that was me. <laughs> I did <laughs> not want to be up there, <laughs> but I've realized over time because I put myself out there and I was willing to try some things that that is actually, while it's still very scary for me, it is also very rewarding. It brings me life. Right. Well, the more you give out, the more you share and teach what you know, there's more room for other inputs. Exactly. And that's this whole idea. Okay. So I'm not sure if this is really where you want to go with this episode, but it's got me thinking this whole idea of like, follow your passion, which is typically what people think of when they're like, what should I do when I grow up? That is terrible advice. Why? What does passion actually mean? I think you know, right? (laughs) You may have written about this. So when most people think of passion, they think of things that they love to do. And that's not a good barometer because no matter what you do, even if you really do enjoy it, there's going to be times and things that you have to do where you don't really enjoy it. Right. You just got to suck it up and you got to do it. But uh, the word passion actually comes from the Latin word pati, which means actually to suffer. So it's not what do you enjoy doing, but it's really what are you willing to go through some hardships? What do you care so much about that you're willing to suffer a little bit to see those things come to pass? And you don't really know that until you try some things, some uncomfortable things, and then you'll discover what the next step is. And then you'll go step out and do that thing that you didn't think you'd do, and then it'll take you in another unexpected direction. You'll do that thing that you didn't think you'd do. I speaking for you now, but you probably never thought you would be hosting a podcast and joining a Toastmasters group and giving speeches and stuff like that. No. And I remember us talking about this a few years ago, like, hey, you should, you know, maybe consider joining Toastmasters too. I'm like, why? I don't want to do that. And it, it's Why not, would anyone do that to themselves? I'm not, it's not really that I'm afraid of public speaking, like face to face, you know, and being in front of people. I actually overcame that. Actually, I used to be terrified of it because I had a horrible experience, I think second or third grade, where I, you know, that was when you would have to like memorize a little poem. Mm. So I memorized my poem and then my teacher goes, Rachel, your flies down in front of the whole class. (laughs) Isn't that terrible? Like to do a little girl or anyone really. That is. So I remember being terrified of being in front of people until I was in Bible college as an adult and we had to give chapel messages, so like talk a little bit about what we, had, what we had been learning. And that environment, I became very comfortable, and I overcame that fear of public speaking. But I say that, but it's true. I never would have said, yeah, I'll be a podcaster, I'll be a official public speaker, whatever that is. But because I guess I was open to grow, and I didn't discount it completely, here we are. Yep. So on that topic of being willing to try something that you didn't really want to do initially, you've got some some notes here uh, a little bit further down. And I want to ask the question, who grows up thinking that they want to be a salesperson? Right. Does anybody? Right. Yet, <laughs> I would argue everybody is a yes. salesperson. Hey, if you got married, you had to sell yourself once, right? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. There's so many people who are like, oh, I'm just not, I'm just not salesy. I'm like, yes, you well, are. Everyone you just, is. Yeah. All, all sales, it really is, is convincing somebody else of an idea that you care passionately about. And for a salesperson in a business, it's buy my product because I think it's the best. Those are the right. best salespeople, the people who really firmly believe yes, that definitely. what they have is solving a problem. They're not just selling widgets, you know? Yeah. 
but yeah. I, I think that's one of the things that people can attach to that negative stigma. Like, Oh, I don't want to be a salesperson. I don't want to come off that way. Well, right. when you realize that sales is really leader, leadership, right? Yeah. Leadership and, and serving, serving because giving them something they need. Exactly. That be a, a, a sales or service. A salesperson is really a leader is a salesperson who is selling a vision of where they can take people. And if they sell the vision, uh, well enough, then the people are going to follow them. But without convincing them first, you know, you're not going to be able to lead people. Pastor has said, if you uh, are a leader and you turn around, no one's following you. You're not leading. You're just going for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that's, I love that. That's true. But the, the whole idea of like becoming a salesperson, that I think has a negative taste in a lot of people's mouths, just that that phrase. But a growth mindset is willing to look past the negative stigmas of things and see things for what they really are and recognize that, yeah, that is something that I need to get better at. And so I'm going to work on developing those skills, not so I can manipulate people, not so I can get something, but like you said, that's how I can actually serve people better. Right. And that's why we're here talking because we believe in this message so strongly that we want to get it out to people. It's not to make a name for ourselves. It's not to get to a certain number of subscribers. It's simply, if we help one person, it is by all means worth it. I'm not sure if you noticed, but we don't have ads and we don't sell anything. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to share what has helped us, what yep. we've learned from our successes and mistakes, because that's how we've learned from other people going outside of themselves and sharing themselves with us and helping us along the way. So that's what we're here to do is to help you along the way, to help you in the journey, to be that water break on a marathon. <laughs> here we are <laughs> yep. to help revive you, to keep you going, to help give you a higher vision again. So we started off talking about what do you want to do when you grow up and doing a little bit of reflection. But as I was preparing for my Toastmasters speech, all of a sudden, it dawned on me like a light bulb went on. Wait a second. Isn't a better question, who do you want to become? And it really got me thinking like, wow, this is where we have found ourselves where we are because we have continually been willing to grow and learn and to hear the hard things, even from our leaders and our mentors to be like, okay, you, this is this area of your life is not working and I'm seeing this and we got to fix this. Mm -hmm. And being willing to do that and being willing to do the hard things. And so that growth mindset, continually growing, that is what we are trying to do here. And really that's how we've, we try to be at home with our kids. Who do you want to become? So you're a punk to your brother just now. Okay, well, let's ask forgiveness and move on. Now, how can we handle that better next time? Yep. Like, what are we doing? And it's a continual process. So, you know, if you look at it for face value, being a parent is like so exhausting because it's continual. But the more we just give out out of, you know, the abundance in our heart, then we just have more opportunity opportunity as we feed ourselves to keep giving out. And that well never runs dry if we keep filling ourselves and so we want to just also challenge you to think about what do you want to become? What do you want your family to become? What do you want your marriage to become? Because you can reach that yep. if you see it, if you identify it, if you speak it, and you, if you start making progress towards it. Yes. And on that topic specifically, the vision has to be bigger than yourself. Yes. So when you're talking about the vision for your family, 
I'm not crafting a vision for my family that is best suited to serve my needs and then trying to get everybody else on board with that. That won't work. It will not work, no. (laughs) No. And it just occurs to me that that's the difference between lust and love. Right. Lust is the desire to benefit self at the expense of others. Love is the desire to benefit others at the expense of self. If you are really trying to figure out what your vision, your purpose is, whether it's for you personally or for your family or your organization, whatever, it's got to be bigger. It's got to involve other people because that's really the way that we're wired. It's not to build our own kingdoms. It's to affect change in other people. It's the difference between being a river where things are flowing into you and then they're flowing out of you and a reservoir where stuff gets old and stagnant. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you, that's, you don't want to drink out of the reservoir. You want to drink out of the river. Yeah. Our pastor (laughs) says it all fresh all the time that if your vision is something that you can accomplish with your own two hands, it's not big enough. Meaning that your vision should be so big that it goes outside of yourself. That means you need to grow in character to get there. And then you need to do it in a way that brings other people in as well. If you, and this is where things get interesting because a lot of the, if your eyes are on your, yourself, you can compromise and you can settle for pretty good because all you're focused on is this one aspect, but that's really not going to be fulfilling. You lose sight of that in the moment because you're like, Hey, I can have all of these comforts and I can build this thing the way that I want to. And then I'll put up my fortress, my defenses, and I'll be good, but you won't be satisfied. If you, you stay there, you've got to make it bigger and that's the thing that forces you to go beyond what you think you can do. If you are focused on becoming simply the best version of yourself through a selfish lens, based on what you can accumulate or what you can get, you will sell yourself short. You will not reach your full potential. It's not until you get out there and people draw on on the gift that's inside of you that maybe you don't even see and it comes out and you're like, whoa, that was amazing. I didn't know that was there. Like you won't know that that's there until you put yourself in those uncomfortable positions and you start to see the needs of the people around you rather than what you're going through. Right. And identifying who you want to become, that's a reflection on your character. And that's something that has to be developed over time. It's not an overnight thing. If you, and ident- you never arrive. <laughs> right. And if you identify that I'm not very empathetic towards people, well, that's something that can be developed. But identifying that is the first step. And that's a, just creating ourselves who we want to be from the inside out. Because what do you want to do when you grow up is simply a superficial as- aspiration, right? It's like an external thing. Not to downplay what we do for like a career, for example. But if we look at that and isolate it from everything else, 
it is very superficial. It's just one simple external. But if it's yep. a reflection on who we are on the inside, it's much more powerful. And we it will just be a reflection of the character and the integrity that we have. You know, you mentioned the word career, and that word even kind of has a connotation of what I can accumulate before I would retire and take things easy. And I'm reminded of the show, I don't think it's on TV anymore, but there was a show by Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs. Oh, yeah. Where he would go and he would do these ridiculous jobs and they would film them on, on TV. And uh, he's also the guy who said, don't follow your passion, but always bring it with you. Yeah. And I really believe that what he did in that, what what made that TV series work was not just him showing up and being, okay, I'm going to try this thing, but he was able to jump all the way into it. And what allows you to jump all the way into something, shifting the belief of what you do as a job or career into what you do as a ministry or a vocation or a calling. And again, that's bigger than yourself. So how is you being a mom helping other people? How is it helping make the world a better place? How is you being a podcaster helping you help other people become better? And uh, I think if you can attach to that, then you never have to worry about being unmotivated. You may have to remind yourself sometimes, this is why I do this, but you'll never be lacking that motivation. Right. And it reminds me of Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N, not Jim Rome. Rome. The sportscaster. (laughs) Just to clarify. Um, One of my favorite quotes is, work harder on yourself than on your job. And I love that because if you work only on your job, sure, your skill set and whatever it may be uh, for me, photography, my ability to uh, do manual settings in any environment or things like that, like that's great. But how does it help me in other areas of my life? If we work on ourselves, then that success in building ourselves, our character, our knowledge, our wisdom, that carries into every area of life. That's that's long term. That Ed Cole said once that the man who knows how will always have a job, but the man who knows why will always be his boss. <laughs> and that's how you develop the ability to know why is to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And that's when you can attach to what you're doing and never lose motivation. Because exactly. You're always in that frame of mind of re- being reflective and then always wanting to grow and be better. And it doesn't mean that you're not giving 100% to your job, but it means that you're not viewing your job as simply a task to be done. That's not your own only identity, because I feel like that's a trap that's very easily easy to fall in, especially for whoever is the main breadwinner in the family, to really attach yourself and your identity to your job. And that's that's dangerous. What happens when things change? And maybe you lose your job, or maybe something else comes up an, oppor- <laughs> an opportunity comes and you don't see it as an opportunity because your identity is so planted in what you do for a living that you can't see it that's why working harder on yourself than your job helps give you a big perspective to see things clearly for what they are your character becomes very evident when you face a trial like that yep. when something unexpected come 
comes at you, we really find out what we're made of. And if it reveals something kind of ugly that you don't like, well, there's another opportunity for growth. And if you're able to roll with the punches pretty well, then you can know that you have been doing it right and developing yourself. And character character development is something that's extremely vital to start when children are young. Like if I let my two-year-old daughter, who's cute as a button, get away with what she tries to get away with, that would be very detrimental to her character. She would think <laughs> yeah. she is the center of the universe because she tries to be. And, you know, it's like developing them starts when they're babies even. Mm-hmm. I remember her having little angry rage fits, which I know sounds really silly, but unless you saw it, like, you know, you wouldn't believe it. But I remember just having to hold her and say no as a yep. baby. Yep. And she grew out of that. She only did it a few times, but they very quickly try to control the environment. So we have to be developing their character. You know, it's as simple as the golden rule, treating others the way you want to be treating. Recognizing that the world does not revolve around you. Yes. (laughs) Come on. I mean, maybe you know some people that are way too old to be thinking that, but they do. You know, we all fall into that. Mm -hmm. You know, developing a lot of things like um, the fruit of the spirit. If you're a believer, those are awesome to reference. We reference that all the time. I've gone through uh, studies with the kids on what each of those mean, or I'll be like, okay, which one are you not doing so great in that you're going to work on today? Like, and they'll be like, I want to be more patient with my brother or, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. So just identifying these things, naming these things, these parts of our character that we need to grow in and just following through on our commitments. That's a huge thing integrity, yep. uh, developing faith over fear, just listing a few things to think about in developing character, specifically with our family, with our children, or in yourself, really. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe you didn't get some of this when you were younger. It's never too late. Exactly. You've, and you don't need somebody to teach it to you. Really, things change when you decide that you're going to change things. Yeah. And <laughs> That's you're not the beautiful t- news, though, yeah. isn't it? And you're not, and really the way to make it work is not to try to change the people and the things around you, but to work on yourself. Right. Absolutely. Every time. Every time. You know, if we have a problem in our marriage and I pray about it, to be honest, like what comes back to me is there's a problem with me. <laughs> like pretty much every time. Because I can't change him, but I can change me. You cannot change who people are, but you can change how you deal with certain people. So it doesn't matter if it's your spouse or significant other. It could be somebody at work who just knows how to push all of your buttons. You, you're not going to change them, but you can know that when I go into this meeting that they're probably going to try to agitate me and I'm not going to let them do that and I'm going to be the, sounds kind of bad, but I'm going to be the bigger person, you know, because that sounds kind of condescending to them. It's not Some, really, that's not what I'm trying to say. To them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but exactly. But that's how you're thinking. Well, it's just kind of like, I care enough about this relationship that even though I feel you are doing all of these things to make it hard, I am going to be the one who is going to rise to the occasion and be the solution so that we both can fix this. Right. And that, that's a that shows huge character to do that, and that's something that we can develop in our kids too. Um, one of the things we've done with the kids is called the hard things rule, which we'll probably unpack more in another episode. But that's just you know following through on our commitments and what we want to do, having endurance and grit. One of the yep, popular that comes words from Grit by Angela Duckworth, which yeah. is a phenomenal book. Yes, 
Yep. So in this whole conversation, I hope that you have been able to reflect on some of the things you've identified that you want to be when you grow up, (laughs) or maybe still want to be when you're growing up even more (laughs) as an adult. But then greater than that is who do you want to become? So I encourage you to take some time and write a few things down. What are some things you want to become or your family to become or your marriage to become? Because, you know, the great news is you can always improve and grow. Yep. And it's this whole process is it's not just for children. It's for us as adults to be continually evaluating and growing. Exactly. You can't necessarily determine your circumstances, but you can determine your attitude and your approach. And if you continually focus on developing yourself, then you will find that the circumstances around you will change. Yeah. And our pastor says it all the time that we are, how does he say it about your daily routine? The the secret to your success is hidden in your daily routine. Yes, that's it. You have what you have today because of the things that you have been doing yesterday and even even before that. Yeah. You got to pedal before the hill. I think it was uh, Joe Frazier, the, the boxing legend who said that champions aren't made in the ring. They're merely recognized there. You yep. got to put in the work. You got to do the, the training. You got to discipline yourself. And that means not just doing what's easy, but doing what's right, doing the things that are going to take you where you want to go. Yeah. So as we identify who we want to become, we can identify what daily habits, what daily rituals, what things can we put in in place in our life and our family that will get us there. And it it will when you follow through. Consistently. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else you want to share? No, I mean, we had a whole episode on habits, but I just want to reiterate that, that it's not just doing the things the right way once in a while that'll get you there. You got to do it consistently. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, building a great family, it obviously doesn't happen by accident. I think we all know that. It takes intentionality, focus, and direction. And we look forward to having you join us on our next episode. And we will be discussing the personal retreat. All right. So I'll be asking Mike to help me with those notes because he's (laughs) the one that's written a whole course on it, which is really good. It's a place for us to create space and reevaluate all the things. Just a little teaser for you. Uh, And thanks for listening to The Intentional Family today. And also, I'd love to hear from you. And you can reach out to me at on Twitter at Rachel Schmitz. I would love to hear your feedback on the episodes on the show. If there's anything you want us to cover in the future, I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. You can find us at intentionalfamily.fm.